Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fraud Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And uh, on this episode, we come to you after being in a land of fantasy and make-believe, and we are trying to re-inhabit our meat suits to record this week's episode. Um, Boy, howdy. It's a little difficult. Yeah. We'll talk about it in hobby time. Um. But following our recent four-day Warhammer 40k uh, extravaganza, I guess I'll say, which was incredible. I'm still riding high off of it. Uh, I just, I can't help. I'm still painting. <laughs> I can't help but hear the party boy in my head when you do that. Just like I'm sorry. Chris Pontius party boy. Yeah, I can't help myself. Uh, I also did some painting. More to come soon. Um but we're really deeply enjoying 10th more than we have a lot of editions. Uh, but 10th is a little different in a couple of ways. Uh, and I think one of the things we saw a lot of differences in is list building. Um, and mechanically, it probably, at first glance, doesn't seem all that much of a change. But uh, John and I think there's more under the hood than you might initially see. I mean, John, your list's ended up looking quite different compared to what you thought they would. My list changed dynamically over the course of the entire four-day, and I've continued building them. They've continued changing and getting weird and wilder. Yeah. I've been building lesser factions I even have just because it's a, it's a much funner, simpler experience. It doesn't require, like, hours of research. Mm -hmm. But it is a great time just building lists on top of, you know, playing them. It is. It's like a seamless experience. And I find I'm taking different things in those lists that I'm like sort of theory crafting than I was in previous editions. Uh, just sort of naturally. The mental calculus of, of is this data sheet good is a lot different. Boy, howdy, is it? <laughs> and we'll talk about it. And I think there's enough here that we're going to do a full episode on 10th edition Warhammer 40k list building. Sort of some fundamentals around how it's changed mechanically. And then what that might mean for you and what it might look like. But first, hobby time and games played. All right, John. Uh, what have you been up to? Me? I've done a lot. Uh, I went to LARP this last weekend. Uh, yeah. Played a ranger. I was the beast man with no horns. It was great. Uh, had a wonderful time fighting a bunch of monsters at the woods, playing you know, pretend. We had what we hadn't equipment. gone to a LARP in like four years. Yeah, three four years. It'd been a while. Um, uh, but we did that. It was great because <gasps> you know we we hang out and do more than just play Warhammer together. We I, also like go do other stuff. Like you think our life might just be this, but there are other hobbies. Sometimes you want, there's so money. Sometimes you want to dress there's up so in like a much. weird little costume and like put big old antlers on your head, a big spear, and go poke people. Yeah, it's fantastic. Give people moral um, quandaries and lessons to, you know, really yeah. reach these keys. Gotta reach these keys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after all of that, and a little bit before, I've worked on stuff. So, like, uh, after that, I finished uh, Lion, Sons of the Forest. Phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, you should. Uh, it really shows like, different Primark 
interactions than we're used to. Mm-hmm. We're normally used to like the milk toast Gilliman with like some dips into like moral ambiguity. And then we're used to like the mustache twirling evil of the demon Primarchs in the current setting. I think Lionel Johnson has a different take and it's very, very different than anyone else. And he is the first Primarch I think I can honestly say is way better in the current setting than he was in the old setting of Horse Heresy. Yeah. It's interesting. It's hard to talk about a lot without spoiling stuff. So I'm going to like keep my thoughts brief. But I think he has a unique set of selection pressures that might push him to react a little differently than someone like Gilliman. Particularly with the Fallen and everything that would involve. Yeah, it's a very good read. You should give it a chance if you're even thinking about it. And because I have been reading that for the last couple of weeks, uh, listening to it on Audible, like on my commutes and stuff, I decided to paint the lion. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have him, painted him. He's, I think, behind me on the shelf somewhere. Uh, But yeah, I just painted him up. Uh, I'm not a perfect painter by any means, but I tried a little bit harder than I normally do, and I'm very proud of it. I can see like where my growth has gone as a painter. Mm -hmm. Um, I previously did something similar with Abaddon, and I pulled him out to look at it. So, like, I looked at Abaddon, I looked at the lion, and I realized I've made a lot of, like, advancements in, like, where my lighting has come from, coming from, from my highlights, where, like, my colors blend, and, like, the separation between that, and just how much neater my painting is. Yeah, your general sort of hobby growth. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it it's good to do that every once in a while. Like, test the limit, go a little bit harder on something, and see how much you've improved based off of something that you've done previously years ago. Um, and that was that was a very rewarding, fun experience. But I didn't just end there. I didn't just read a book and go to a LARP and paint. I also played a game because playing 10th edition is easier than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played a game of Gene Steeler Cult, one of the hardest factions in the game, apparently, uh, to like play historically throughout all the editions in a, on a weeknight after work when I was already tired against Chaos Demons. And it was a close game. It wasn't a washout. It was great. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know how to put into words how exciting it is that I can get in a game, like a cerebral game of Warhammer after work, and it not feel like a Heraclean effort uh, because of 10th edition. Yeah. And especially against something like Demons. Which is a weird which is matchup. Like, like, yeah. The board control they have is very unique. Yeah. And so it's just been banging on all cylinders. Very... Very fun, very engaging. Uh, I know we've been talking a ton about 40k, but it's the season, right? Like, we just gotta enjoy it while it's here, go. you know? Like, yeah, if you're feeling it, you're feeling it. Why fight yeah. it? Uh, gonna be working on printing some orcs so uh, we can do a le- like a teaching day, do a, a whole day where we're gonna teach a bunch of people how to play Warhammer. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be good, it's true. Uh, and that's gonna make a little comeback in my own hobby time. Hint, hit, tweak, tweak. Yeah. That's been, that's been my time. What about you? What have you been up to? I've been at a LARP. Um, yeah? A- old man? And prepping for a LARP. Do you have decrepit knees? Uh, actually, I, I felt great. Um, I've been working. We've LARPed for like six years. We are so <laughs> prepared to do this at all times. <laughs> it's true. But I'm like, I'm playing a different character, and I'm also doing like a heavy makeup and costume race, which I never do. Uh, so there was a lot of prep last week, which did slow down some hobby. Like, y'all, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, there was 
some time trying to get everything together to play this like big elk boy. But um, in between all that and going to cool fantasy land, uh, I did get some hobby done. Uh, and a fair amount of it, actually. Um, the elves, I've started working on prepping them to get their paint color schemes tested. So I got a number of them magneted and also primed and then zenithaled so that they are ready to be test painted when I'm uh, good to go. Uh, also, my wife is wanting to try Warhammer 40k 10th edition because the yes. simplification gives her some hope that she might be able to play it and have a good time. Yes. Uh, and she loves them there. Night Lords, John? Uh, War crimes. <laughs> Woo! So uh, I sat down with her. <laughs> Blink twice if you're in danger. <laughs> For those who cannot see, that's a bit where I blinked a bajillion times. Um, yeah, so I've been helping her. So she made her first list of Warhammer 40k 10th edition. Uh, called it Baby's First War Crime. And it is very Marine-centric, because she's been reading mm -hmm. the Night Lords trilogy, and she really likes the fact that the Night Lords lean towards Marine rather than Demon, as much as is possible. Uh, so she is trying to run with it. So we've got like a little list picked out. Um, and I found some 3D prints that are really cool from uh, a guy on Cults 3D. Uh, actually, I think we should like link his stuff down below, because it's like top-tier stuff. He's also got some Dark Angel stuff, if you're looking. Uh, but Damza make stuff, Damza mm -hmm. print stuff. Uh, it's, I've seen his stuff. Yeah, it's it's good. It's down below. Um, but he makes some incredible Night Lords STLs, and uh, grabbed some of those. And now I'm getting ready to actually start 3D printing her force. Um, and I 3D printed a test mini for her uh, of Talos, which is a character from the novels. And uh, I'm working on test print. Test painting him right now to help her make a color scheme. Oh no, you have to paint something you've been wanting to paint for years. Oh no, I've, I've only read a little bit of the book because I read the book and went, Joe, you cannot keep reading this book. You're going to play Night Lords. And like, you, you don't want that for yourself. You got to put this book down. Um, but now you can go read it because your wife's going to have the army. Yep. So now I don't have to feel bad. She's playing Night Lords. I'm just also going to play Night Lords from time to time. Because i got to learn the army to help her, of course. Only to help her. Duh. Um, yeah, so I 3D printed Talos. And uh, she found like a really cool paint scheme online on a, a YouTube video. But it's just like the techniques are just a little more advanced than where she's at to comfortably paint. Um, so she wanted me to like look at this vibe and try to simplify the process just a little bit to cut out some of the more difficult time-consuming like edge highlights and workups and shade recesses and stuff like that. Yeah, just cut out some of the more frustrating parts so that the overall experience is just more enjoyable. Yes, uh, especially for someone like her who's earlier on in like the painting journey. Like I, I don't want it to be something that is painful to do. I want it to be fun. Because sometimes yeah, when the I was early, I didn't learn that myself. Yeah, like like me too. Like starting off earlier with very little support, especially because the internet wasn't super big about Warhammer at the time. Like it is just really hard to paint. I mean, I played the game for years without painting a single model because I was like, oh man, this is hard and I'm bad at things that I'm not immediately good at. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how things work. Now, 
Uh, if I'm not immediately talented in it, why care? Because how do you get good at anything? Yeah. I've I've changed, Joseph. You look what you've done to me. You're welcome for my surface. Um Yeah, so because when I was earlier on in the paint journey, like I would just try to do like the hardcore paint things and of course fail miserably at them and then get disheartened. So I'm just gonna cut all that crap out for her. So I'm working on it. Um But then I ran out of time because LARP came around, but I did my best. I did. Uh, now, though, I've got to do some digital kit bashing for her to help her, like, build her first Marines and then get those 3D printed so that we could do the little teaching day. We're going to take a couple of people who are newer to the Warhammer 40k hobby and teach them how to play Death in a, like, a little get-together appropriately scaled for their level of experience, mm-hmm. which should be fun. Uh, and if I can make this paint scheme easier, I can help her to make that force. And really, it's just an elaborate scheme to have more people to play these games with for, you know, long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's truly a selfish act we're doing here. Altruistic. All the way down. Promise. Uh-huh. Uh, and now I'm getting ready to work on that a little bit more this week when we have a little bit of time. Uh, and now that LARP is over and I have to shift gears. Unsuccessfully. Good news, you got a manual transmission. Yeah. I'm, You're not running on automatic like the rest of us. Yeah, I'm going to have to like double clutch to try to pop back into second and go into 10th edition. We'll see what I do. Um, in the meantime, Seth, play the music. All right, John. Uh, if we're going to be here talking about 10th edition list building, I think first we have to mechanically cover what changed in the rules for 10th edition list building uh, so that we know not just like in theory what has happened, but what literally has changed in the rules uh, to cause yeah. everything. And honestly, they're not a lot of changes, but they're impactful ones. Yeah, I think... The first and most obvious one that everyone's going to run into is that there are no more detachments, nor are there a lot of, like, battlefield roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so things basically boil down to leaders, battle line, and everything else. And so you can only have three of any one data sheet in your list. Mm-hmm. Except for battle line and transports, which you can have six, and you're only required to only have one leader in your army. Everything else is optional, as long as you get up to those points. The only other restriction being you can't have more than one epic hero in a list. Of course. So, like, you can't bring six Abaddons. Yeah. Or three Abaddons. Which you can bring one Abaddon. Makes sense. Um, yes. Also, another change that has happened mechanically is that uh, now most heroes are leaders and those leaders lead a unit by going inside of it. Um, yes. And there is a list of what they can go into and everything else they cannot. Uh, the only exception to this is that there are a few leaders that can run around on their own, uh, and a lot of them have the lone operative keyword where uh, they still get like protection even though they aren't in a unit. These are for like the biggest billies of the bad of the billy badasses. Um, 
and that also is a mechanical change. Uh, then the next big mechanical change is that you still pick a detachment, but that detachment doesn't dictate like what units are going in what slots, but instead dictates what stratagems you have access to, what relics you have access to, and what data sheets you use. Um, yep. Currently, that is less of a restriction, um, but as Kadox has come out, you'll probably see more of that. Uh, currently, it's mostly for stratagems and relics, like what stratagems and relics you want, and what detachment rule you get. Mm. Um, an example, Dark Angels have the Unforgiven Task Force or the Gladius Task Force. You pick one of those two. If you take the Gladius Task Force over here, you get access to the same relics that every other Space Marine chapter does. You get access to the same detachment ability that every Space Marine ch uh, chapter does. But if you take the Dark Angel-specific one, you get the Dark Angel-specific relics and stratagems and yada, yada, yada. But you can use the data sheets for everything in Dark Angels in either. Yeah. Um, I think before detachments worked up, most people thought of detachments as a list building restriction that you had to try to like optimize your way around. Now, really, like a detachment is just a sub faction, so to speak. Yes. Um, it's a choice you're choosing. Yes. And those are the big mechanical changes. You know, there's only a couple of them. Handful. Well, I think you've forgotten about one kind of important one. Oh, John, surely my brain is impervious to forgetfulness. The, the final one. Uh, I'm sure there's more that we've missed, but the other big one I would say is like very important is that the way that missions have changed. Um, missions impact list building now more than you would expect because they are not static. That's an objective change, not a list building change. John, I right, find <laughs> pedantic. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you now draw from a deck to help determine what your secondaries are, which means previously in a lot of other editions, you would build lists based around like being able to guarantee on these couple of secondaries. It's not the case anymore. Now you need to be able to be a little bit more flexible. And so naturally your list building like ideas have changed and we'll get more into that later and why that's important. In, but it is a rule that changed. I wanted to talk about it up at the top. In literally a second, because you know, it's next up on the outline, John. Of oh, is it? Effects of how, what this might do to your list picks. Whoops. God. Let's continue. <laughs> um, we can't play the music. It's the middle of the topic. It is the middle of the topic, <laughs> literally. Just like blow it up my whole spot. Um, so yeah, not a lot of mechanical changes, but maybe sometimes some stuff in the game that isn't about list building will affect list building. John. <laughs> one of those changes is indeed objectives even though John talked about it outside of order um, objectives are random and a lot of times to score them you have to have a character give a, well not a character you have to have a unit get into a particular area they have to give up shooting and they have to give up charging that phase well that turn right generally yeah and you have to do them if you want to get points for most of these secondaries some of the primaries, even like it, mm -hmm. uh, it's a thing. Uh, and in that case, I think the objectives influence your list building heavily because you need people to do that. You need units that are fast or can deep strike one or the other. Uh, 
uh, that you do not mind giving up the shooting from and that you don't mind giving up charges from. So like you don't have to give up a melee phase or something. Uh, generally speaking, also, you want them to be kind of cheap so you could have a couple of them. So you just have one little unit doing all your heavy lifting. Uh, we've called these action monkeys here on the channel, uh, but really that's all you want them for in theory. They can do uh, more sometimes. Um, but I think one of the big changes to list building practically and what this is going to do to you is I think you're going to, it's going to be fairly rare that you go to make a list and you don't take action monkeys. Uh, yeah. And that was really not the case in previous editions. Yeah. Previously the, the, the trigonometry calculus spreadsheet thing was, do I do enough damage to kill X or can I take enough of shooting from X units without dying to earn my points? And now that is not the only things you care about. Um, because you also care about how flexible is a unit, how much damage do they do relative to their points, and how tough are they relative to their points, and the ability to be flexible and still get objectives done. Um, it doesn't sound like a huge change, but when you sit down and start to build some lists, like I, I built a couple of lists of Dark Angels that were just super elite, very powerful, mm -hmm. full of sucker punches. Really hard to actively play the game when everything you're throwing is haymakers and you don't have anything sitting down and tapping on a keyboard. You got no jabs to set you up. Like you, mm -hmm. you got nothing. Uh, yeah. He sent me that list. Like what's doing objectives here? Like what, which one of these Uber kick-ass units do you want giving up an entire shooting and charge and melee phase? And the answer turned out to it's be like having Sylvester. None of them. It's like having Sylvester Stallone star in a reenactment of hackers. <laughs> I, I'd watch the shit out of that. It would be pretty dope. I said it. Now I kind of want it. Uh. <laughs> a terrible a, a terrible example, Bob Frere. I'm here for it. Uh, but yeah, I think action monkeys are going to become central to every list. Uh, and it's true. I mean, in ninth, one of the things that really bothered me is the only way to evaluate units was how well do they kill stuff. Here... Not even how tough are they. Just how well do they kill stuff? Yeah, that's it. Can they uh, uber obliterate something from orbit uh, before the enemy has a chance to respond? And if they could do that well, two thumbs way up. If not, people would call them trash on the internet. And you would when the, never see them. When the line released and everyone was like, he's trash. I was like, oh no, what does this addition become? <laughs> His stats are incredible. He's still trash. Like, okay, maybe... What? <laughs> Maybe the stats aren't the problem. Maybe the game's the problem. Uh, now, I think that's not going to be the case. Uh, you're going to have a little unit that might be like 70 points to bring, uh, but it's going to get you like 20 victory points across a game, and that's a well-made investment. That's your 401k a, in wargaming. He just earned his points. <laughs> uh -huh. You're getting like a 68% return on that investment. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. I think that the next thing after that is you really want to look at the power pairs. Ooh, right? yeah. A lot. Like, you have to pick leaders. Um, you're going to pick at least a leader. You need They can only go in certain units, set on their data sheet, and you're going to really want to pair them up with something that really benefits from it, right? Like, you don't want to take an ability that's on their sheet that you're paying for and just not use. 
you're going to want to find the synergies and see how many leaders do you want to bring, how many power pairs you want to bring in your army, and how many units you can bring that don't require that like power pair support. And sometimes there's different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think guardsmen are a good example, right? A 20-man block of guardsmen is really good. Like, say, Death Corps of Creek is really good if you bring in Death Corps, of Mar- Death Corps Marshal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a primary psyker and give them a four up involved in shooting. But you're not going to take that same 20 man guardsman squad without a leader. Yeah. You're going to take a 10 man guardsman squad to chaff line or to sit on an objective or to do an action or, you know, whatever. They have different purposes of that. And I think that's one of the other big changes is that units and the size of unit you take drastically change depending on what your purpose is going to be. And some units you just don't bring unless you're bringing a leader with them. And there's other units you bring and never put a leader in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, interceptors and uh, Space Marines is a good example. Like, those are action monkeys you don't put a leader in. You could. You're not gonna. Why would you? Exactly. Um, yeah, I think power pairs for some armies have always been a thing. Uh, but I think now every army I have looked at has had at least one or two power pairs that I looked at and went, ooh, that's compelling. Uh, and whatever you're out there playing as you listen to this, whatever you're into, whatever your army is, there's probably a power pair or two you're going to take. Uh, and there are some forces that might lean more heavily into this than others. Looking at you, Necrons, who are going to like really combo out almost every unit in the army. But I think at the bare minimum, y'all, you're going to have one or two of these units that you are looking to amp up a little bit to slap a turbocharger on using some sort of hero to, to make them a little spicy. Um, yeah. They're, they're sort of the components you're using to build your combo, right? Mm-hmm. They're the numbers, right? You take the, the leader can be the two, the unit can be the other two. And then that plus symbol is really going to come down to stratagems or putting them in the right spot. And that is, that's how you get the combo together to finish up that equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is going to shift you a little bit. Uh, also, uh, this is one that I think will be less of an issue in casual settings. Uh, and that's that in the new edition, uh, it can be prone to having skew lists if you so choose. Meaning, if you wanted to take a list that was all tanks, like Imperial Guard, i use as an example. Very easy. Uh, I need an HQ. Well, that's a tank commander. Uh, I need a bunch of units. I'll, I pick all tanks because I don't need battle line or anything. And before I know it, oops, all tanks. Uh, and maybe yep. that is a list that someone can take knowing that uh, likely you're not going to have enough anti-armor to kill 80 bajillion tanks. Uh, and they will try to roll over you. And that can happen. Um, and I feel like at tournaments or somewhere that is more competitively leaned, you might see someone trying to edge shoot like that. But I think in a casual setting where most people bring like whatever they've collected, you're probably not going to find a lot of that skew laying around. Um, yeah. You're not going to see a guy, unless some dude's like super into tanks, you're not going to have like some guy at your local shop who's just like, oh yeah, I just happen to have 19 tanks laying around and I put them on the table. Yeah, because the average player doesn't have the money to buy a bajillion tanks. Like <laughs> their bench yes. is probably not that deep. It's probably one or two armies they've had that they've built over time. They got a lot of cool pieces they like. They probably have some options, but I doubt they have 
six copies of everything in their entire army book, that's going to be a little more rare in a casual setting. So I wanted to shout it out that it is a change, and it's something that you probably wouldn't have seen as directly as you would in, like, 8th or ninth. Um, But just, I wouldn't be super worried about it if you're like us and playing down in, like, basements and stuff. And I also think there's a positive side to this, right? Like yes. you, you have the negative side that is like, oh, my buddy can bring all the tanks in the world, and we he can reenact Fury as I'm over here getting murdered. Like, John, I hate but, to tell you this, but Fury didn't go well for the tanks. I know. I, I I've just said it's a movie that reminded me of tanks. <laughs> tanks, Joseph. Tanks. <laughs> <laughs> the other. Like, you've ruined my train of thought. Oh, yeah, well, the positive side of this. The positive side of this is that you can kind of bring whatever you want and you can get wacky with stuff now. Yeah. Like, previously, you were like, oh, well, I have, like, I've been playing this army for, like, three editions now, and this unit used to be elites. Now they're HQs, and so I can only bring three of them. Or, like, hey, this unit used to be fast attack, and now it's heavy support. And now all the other stuff that I have is also heavy support, so now I can't mix them. Now it's like, nope, put them all on the table. Yep, doesn't matter. Whatever you want, bring them. Bring the stuff you want. Your choice. It's cool. I'm, it's 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 great. Have fun. Personally, I'm a fan of that. Um, I I am too. The simplicity makes it much more playable for the average person, uh, and pitchable to people who are newer because they don't have to they don't have to learn a bajillion keywords to just make the army. It, they can just make the army with stuff they think is cool. And not all of them were necessarily very obvious or sensible as to what distinction they fell into as to like why some single heroes are in elites <laughs> instead of in the HQ section, which look cool. at you, Judas here. Uh, yeah, just, uh, there was some confusion there and now that's gone. You just take what you want. Don't take more than three. And overall, I think that is good. Even if there could be skew, like I just, I think that is a good change in general. And I think the same advice we've given time and time again still applies here. If you're playing in a casual setting, even if it's casually competitive, always have a conversation with your opponent about the type of game you're playing ahead of time, and so your opponent can let you know if they're planning on bringing a ton of tanks, and they want to play a tank regiment against you, and then you can come prepared. And if not, you guys can come to an agreement on what sort of game you're going to play. Mm-hmm. These are not tournaments. At tournaments, it's no holds barred. Just go. Like... You never know what you're gonna play, but play with your butts. Talk it out. It's all right. It just no one's gonna list build against you. It just ain't worth the frustration. Like it's just not. Yeah. Um. And I think this is where we want to give just a couple of examples of what we're talking about here, so that we can illustrate some of these concepts more effectively. Um. I mean, as we said, we've played uh some some tenth now. Uh. And have felt Gotta it. play more. Yeah, I really want to play more. I'm excited to play more. So am I, but you live so far away. What are you doing Saturday? <laughs> uh, I have lunch and afternoon plans. Sadly. I know. I don't like it either. Uh, unfortunately, John, figure it out. I have a social life. No, you don't. I can't just play Warhams all the time as much as I would like to. You could. No, I got we a can job. be twenty again. It's fine. I've got a job. I don't want to be helpless to. again, John. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Um, 
like because we haven't thrown away all of our responsibilities. We have only played some Warhammer, not all the Warhammer. But I think I, we've seen a couple of things that sort of illustrate some of these points. Uh, so for me, when I think action monkeys, I think to my Eldar, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool hotness going on in Eldar land right now about like Wraith Knights and D cannons and, you know, big mortal wounds and like a juga and 80 bajillion mortals. A juga juga. Yeah, you know. Um, right? I do know about the juga juga. But if I'm being honest, like my little MVP. Uh, is gotta be either Shroud Runners or Swooping Hawks. Um, Swooping Hawks are a perfect example of what we're calling Action Monkeys. Uh, Swooping Hawks are a small unit that are a little five-man unit with of elves with wings, and they're a little T3 dudes. They've got some shots that are okay, um, but they got a huge movement of like 14 inches. And they can deep strike, and at the end of the opponent's turn, if nothing is engaging them, they go back into uh, into redeploy. So you could redrop them every turn if you wanna. Just be reactive to whatever cards you pull. And they're like seventy points or something really tiny. Uh, those little dudes got me just an obscene amount of points. Just an incredible number of victory points. Killed next to nothing, but didn't matter. It didn't matter. It wasn't their job. You know, they aren't the ones out there trying to like shift the the stompa off the table. Their job is to come in and win the game while everyone else is shifting the stompa off the table. And boy, howdy, they do it. Um, I think uh, them in uh, Eldar, I think you're going to see uh, Terminate, like a little two man Terminator unit in Custodes. Doing the same uh, thing. For sure. Uh, Inceptors in Space Marines. You're going to see a number of them. Good option. The Chicks with Wings and Pistols and Sisters of Battle. You're going to see some also of those. Also very good. Um, and just uh, uh, in Demons, some of those like named demons that are by themselves, like the Changeling or whatever. You're going to, and again, another great action. Command- Commandos and Orcs. That's another good option. I think they're less good at it now, but that's a different subject. Better than others in the book. Uh, Maybe, uh, what's the Rocket Boys? The, yeah, the Storm Boys? That's who I took. Storm Boys. That's I, dr- I put in Commandos on my Orc list initially and then dropped them and replaced them with Storm Boys. The yep. Scouts also in Space Marines. Ooh, pretty good. Scouts pretty good. Scouts pretty good. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of these little units that don't hit really hard, but they're cheap and they have movement tricks. They're just going to be great, y'all. Um, and if you're playing any of those, if whatever force you're playing... Go look at your book for action monkeys. It might be a hero. Uh, it might be just a small unit. But stealth suits. That was the one Stealth suits. Top tier. I'm thinking about crisis suits. Stealth suits are top tier for Tau right now. I cannot express to you yes. how good they are. Being able to... Just suits in general. To action monkey and forward deploy and deep strike and get bonuses to be hit, not be hit and their laser targeting gives extra bonuses. Like it's all around great. Um... Yeah, action monkeys. There's a ton of them. There's so many of them, and all of them are pretty good. Put a couple in your list. Uh, John, power pairs. What you got? Power pairs. All right, so first one, I'm going to say the one that a lot of people, if you stake up on competitive stuff, probably know about. And if you've been one of my opponents for the last couple of weeks, you also know about it. It is the Nexos with Acolytes that have demolition charges. Really, it's just a unit of like 10 dudes from North Florida 
with sticks of dynamite, throwing it at something, and a dude who lets him use stratagems for free on it that's got a really cool, like, holographic frisbee. It's a time. It's very powerful. I've been so to the Panhandle, John. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 About that, you know, Gainesville. What's up? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's ever up in Gainesville. Other than the incarceration <laughs> rate. Hey, now, we're not Jacksonville. All right. <laughs> here, here we are. But, like, the Nexus, right? He goes into a unit of acolytes. That unit of acolytes can then drop using a stratagem that allows them to get within three inches, allowing them to use their once-per-game demolition charges that they throw. <laughs> they get a bunch of bonuses to do so. Then you have the Nexus use another stratagem for free to make that more effective shooting to do a ton of damage. And you can do that with multiple units if you pull it off right. It's very good. Yeah. It's very good. Turbo effective. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Can't put into words how good it is. Uh, and that's not all that that does. It also allows you to move your little tokens around in, like, your opponent's command phase, which you want to be doing as James of the Cult. So it's got multiple purposes, and the little the little unit has become, like, the core of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, not to harp on James of the Cult, but I got another one in there, and that's pulling the Jackal Alphys... In with the other dirt bike dudes, so you can get a bunch of movement shenanigans. Uh, that's also really fun for Space Marines. The Judiciar with the Bladeguard veterans gives Bladeguard veterans a unit that really wants to be in melee, wants to excel at melee really well, and be like a counterpunch unit mm-hmm. or like a really tough melee screen. Giving them the Judiciar for pretty cheap makes them fight first, which is really good. Yeah, I can't tell you how much being able to fight first would change my games against Chaos Demons regularly. Yeah, it changes the uh, math. Uh, for me, I think of Custodian Guards and a Custodian Captain. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Gives them two karates at once. Uh, so they get two effects of your choice every single fight phase. God, just really like shakes up that can of bees. Uh, another one, another really good power pair is like in guard, right? Um, Ursula Creed and a 20 man block of like regular guardsmen with the primary psyker, right? That unit allows you to bring two leaders, which is unique. There's only a couple things can do that. I think orcs can do it too, Mm -hmm. or orc boys. And what that lets you do is have a four up involve on regularized guardsmen from shooting. It's really good. To protect your character, that's going to provide orders to your other units nearby, kind of turning into even wider synergy. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep an eye out for stuff like that, right? Like you're kind of layering the strategy there to really have a force multiplying effect to really benefit and do different tools that are also flexible within the army. It's beyond just hammers and anvils. It's hammers, anvils, action monkeys, power pairs. And if you play Age of Sigmar, you're probably used to something like this. Yeah. Just now in 40k. And I think that that's good design, like good design-wise. Yeah, I generally agree. Like I find my lists are really well-rounded by comparison to 9th edition, especially. Because in 9th it really does skew killy rather than necessarily super, super objective-y. Um, the objectives were scored, but only because we were all just there to like murder each other on them, not necessarily to play around them, I felt. Um, and yeah. here, I think that is less the case. Uh, I am playing the mission, and I 
you know, using a lot of skill monkeys. And I do have a couple of power pairs in my lists, but rarely are my power pairs an unkillable two-up re-rolling death ball or, you know, whatever mm. terrible, horrifying combo there was from ye olden days. Um, and I think... And it's really changed target priority to be like, I don't bring killy stuff to kill the everything. I bring the killy stuff to kill the stuff that's going to prevent me from getting my objectives. Yep. Uh, they have a target that they are meant to attack, and you've got to find a way to get them to it. You know, if you've got an anti-big horde unit and you get stuck into a tank, well, crap. <laughs> you're going to be stuck for a while. Um, and vice versa. But if you're good and you're skilled and you know how to sort of maneuver them around the field, you're going to be rewarded. Uh, and I think for me, that has just led to more generalist lists when I'm building stuff. Um and maybe that's just because I'm trying to cover all my bases. But for me, I feel like I end up with less skew in my own lists. Just because I'm trying to touch a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think overall, that is the thing I want to end this with. That I think the changes to list building, while weird, and it's going to take some time to ruminate on them. And uh, some armies have issues with list building because of transport capacities. Or like what certain heroes can go into and whether that makes them less of desirable or you know blah 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 but in general i think my final touch point for list building is i think it feels better now than previously um, yeah i agree and i think for me part of that is the simplification of points not everyone is super into that i personally am into that uh and that plus the internal game changes to list building together oh what a time uh it has kept me building lists far longer than ninth edition where I did not enjoy list building. Yeah. Uh, I actively want to play other factions because I just want to build lists and see what I can do. Cause it's fun. John, I you, have not, you don't have to play them. It has, it has been many moons until I, th that I have been excited to potentially play dark Eldar. And I have built like three Dark Eldar lists. And there's a Dark Eldar army sitting in a closet in the other room. Oh, no. Yeah. What is this? I play elves and then you immediately want to play spiky elves? Uh, listen, you play Gruul. I play Rakdos. We are not the same. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we both play red. Just different shades of red hugely different um yeah just the timing's hysterical like joe you should play elves and then immediately internally you start playing elves just i i'm not like gonna mainline them but like i might pull them out for a game or two you never know i uh, will see we'll see uh but yeah i think it uh it's just so good it's so good and i want to play more intense and i think that's really the biggest thing that tells me that these changes feel good for a casual player because I'm like a casual competitive player, whatever that means. But um, I want to play more of this game because of these changes. And that is probably the best endorsement I could give. Like, yeah, as people who are making a show, we want to try to explain our thoughts and our feelings so that it's just not like a 30 second episode with like a, a, a quick take that we do not give any context for. Yo, what up? I read this on Twitter like 20 minutes ago. I fully believe it with my heart and soul. I'll be taking no notes, no thoughts. Um, 
Head empty. But like when John and I were kicking this around, he's like, what do we think of list building intent? And I'm like, it's dope. And really, that's the summation of that's my the pitch. That's it. It's dope. It's like, dope. Like, ah, I want to try to talk through it first so that this makes more sense. But in general, that's what I responded to. It's dope. Had a lot of fun with it. Can't wait to play more with it. And I hope that y'all are feeling the same thing. Because we've been playing it for a few weeks now. Uh, and I would really like to hear what y'all are having out there in regular world playing your own games a tenth. How's it going? Like, did, consider this just a little powwow to check in in the comments or on social medias. But how is tenth going for you? Uh, we've mentioned in an, an, a past episode where like tenth has sort of feel felt like it has a weird dichotomy, or some people are saying it's absolutely terrible. And unplayable trash if you're in the competitive scene. And I don't know how true that is or not. It's Warhammer. It's always unplayable trash. <laughs> and yet I'm still playing. Um, exactly. But if you're in the casual scene, most people seem to be liking it. So I'm interested to sort of just, you know, check in. Just check in the engine. See how everyone's doing out there. Drop it in the comments. If you got questions, love to hear them. If you got thoughts, love to hear those too. Uh, also, y'all, just like a little note, uh, as we are recording this, we have hit 300 subscribers. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's so, so exciting. Uh, and we are planning video content in addition to the podcast. Because um, we have been, like, we have seen how much people like shorter form videos. You know, like that 15, 20 minute length sort of thing we did for the faction focuses. People really enjoyed it. And we want to continue making them because people seem to really like it. So, John, I think we have to do it. Yeah, I think we're going to do it. I don't think there's no, like, have to. You don't have to, like, drag me kicking and screaming. We're just going to do it. Yeah, but, John, we're going to talk about lore. Like, I think that's what we're going to do. Like, we just got to talk about lore. Yeah, I think we got to talk about lore. For I think lore is the ticket. If you want something beyond lore, like, we'll still still give it to you. We're probably going to cover some of the Codex releases on longer episodes like this. Um, and if you want like small little rule tidbits just let us know like the kind of content you want yep we'll probably just make it for you we will but we're gonna start off with lore because in the comments like most gonna... people seem to really enjoy our flavor pitches and our faction focuses mm -hmm. more than they did like some of our other stuff like the, a lot of people were super kind and super open about how they liked how we pitched factions from a narrative perspective like the sisters for example or the orcs uh and if people like how we pitch stuff narratively then let's talk about some narrative stuff yeah. Uh, because, like, it's also John and I's favorite bit. <laughs> so, it is. Like, I mean, we we would drop this game, like, no tomorrow if there was not, like, good lore behind it. Uh, yeah. Like, if, we, have, we have If the story was deleted, Joe would be deleted. All my interest gone. We have dropped so many games because there's not lore to go by, behind it with. Like, it's hard to want to sit and paint something for hours or play with games for hours or plan huge events to play with all of our friends Without the backing of like, oh man, I read 46 Horace Heresy novels. Like, Ooh, I cried about a winged a spaceman. <laughs> hey, that, that spaceman's got daddy issues and I felt personally attacked. <laughs> I'm going to play his army. <laughs> I'm going to do his war crimes. Um, yeah, I just. Uh, looking at it, y'all want lore. We want to do lore. So I think that's what we're going to be working on over here. And if you do have thoughts or requests, please. John pitched it once. I'm going to pitch it again. Send it over. 
No, no idea is a bad idea. And in the meantime, yep. we're going to be shifting out of LARP from keep braid back into 10th braid. Remix. Uh, ooh, dick. Uh, <laughs> back into 10th braid as we continue to work on the hobbies over here because there's armies to build and newbies to teach. That's going to be all of our opinions. Bonafide and Kentucky Fried. We'll see you on the next one.